This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. This bound prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to gather together to worship our Father in spirit and in truth. And I thank you for the Word of God as I come to teach this morning. I'll make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I'm trusting in you, and therefore I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, power, and love, to each person's mind, bringing understanding, removing all confusion. To every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all those of the Lord said, Amen. Amen. All those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you welcome our television audience. Praise God. To Christian Family Church, Johannesburg, right next to the Atlas, or on Atlas Road, next to the airport. You may be seated. This morning, my message is titled, The Power of Praying in the Spirit. The Power of Praying in the Spirit. Say that. So what is praying in the Spirit? What is it? Let's find out. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14. I'm reading from the Amplified Translation or just look up at the screens. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the help of the Holy Spirit within me, prays. Let's think about what he said here. He said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, that means I don't know what I'm saying. It's unknown to me. It's a foreign tongue. I'm speaking words, but I don't understand what I'm saying. I don't understand this language that I'm speaking. Say that. Praying in tongues is speaking a language which I do not understand with my mind. All right, see that? For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit is praying by the help of the Holy Spirit within me. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit. It helps nobody. What's that mean? It means the mind is not involved, not participating. Say this, when I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, my mind is not involved. We are a spirit being, and we live in a human body. If you went to heaven right now and met some of the folks that you know that have gone on, you'd see them there. They'd look like they did in the prime of their life on the earth. They'd look exactly like they did in the prime of their life. Perfect. Their spirit looks exactly like their body did. Your spirit looks like your body. Your spirit is created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus said God is a spirit. Right? And we are made in the image and likeness of God. You have a soul. 
Your soul consists of your will, your mind, and your emotions. Your soul is seated in the spirit of the man, not in the body of the man. Because those who are dead here can't think or experience anything if their body's in the grave. But in heaven, they have their will, their mind, and emotions. Therefore, it's seated in the spirit of the man. Amen? So your spirit is the one, a part of you, that's praying. Your spirit is the real you. The real you. Sometimes the Bible uses the word heart interchangeably to describe the word spirit. Now, how many of you here today do pray in other tongues? Would you mind putting up your hands so I can see what we are looking at? Wave at me. If you do pray in tongues, wave at me. Please participate. If you do pray in tongues, do this for me. Because I want to know what to teach this morning. It will help me. All right, so that's about 85, 90% of you, which is very, very good. Now, this is a gift, praying in tongues. It's a gift from God, just like salvation is a gift from God. And when the church was born, the beginning of the church, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down and filled the 120 followers of Jesus in the upper room. And everybody spoke in tongues in that upper room, including Mother Mary. She was in that meeting. You can see that in Acts 1. So you could say then that the church was born speaking in tongues. Everybody did. And that's the way God wants it today. This is a gift for you. And I encourage you to seek and get it. And you can tonight. I'm praying for all those who would like that gift. And uh, you can also join the Christian Growth Seminar, which starts in about a week or two. And on there, you're going to learn how to receive this gift and that it is for us today. And then you can decide if it's for you or not, which you will decide that it is for you. And I encourage you to re receive this gift. Now, this gift, praying in tongues, is not to be confused with the nine gifts the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Those gifts operate as the Holy Spirit wills. But praying in tongues is a separate gift, and we can pray any time we want to. Any time we want to. So this is a prayer language that God gives us. To every believer, if your mouth is closed, you cannot pray in tongues. You can't think in tongues in your mind. Because your mind, the Bible just said, is not involved, not productive, not participating. Your spirit is praying, not your mind. So you can't think in tongues. It doesn't work. Praying in tongues is the expression of the heart of man speaking out of the tongue, bypassing the mind. So you can count to ten and pray in tongues. You can count to ten your mind and pray in tongues. You can drive your car and pray in tongues. Your mind can be occupied in other things while you're praying in tongues. Your heart, your spirit is praying separately from your mind. You see, if I said to you, count to ten in your mind, 
And then I said, tell me your name with your mouth. Your mind will stop counting when your mouth speaks because your mouth will dominate your mind. You got it? That's why faith works from your mouth. You can have doubt in your head, but if you speak faith from your mouth, your mouth will determine what happens. Your thoughts don't determine what happens. Speak the word. You follow me, church? Okay, now, go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. Then what I am to do, so that, sorry, then what am I to do, Paul said. He said, I'll pray with my spirit by the ability of the Holy Spirit within me. And I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. So you can pray in tongues and you can pray with your mind separately, two different kinds of prayer. For example, when I pray with my understanding in my natural home language, John 16, 23 said, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So I can pray that prayer petition, receive what I desire by faith. I pray that in my home language. But then I can pray in tongues. My spirit can pray a language that I don't understand. That's the one I'm talking about. I'm not talking about how to pray in your home language. The prayer of faith. I'm talking about how to pray in your spiritual language today. So then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the power or ability of the Holy Spirit in me. I will also pray with, the, with intelligently with my mind and understanding. Then he says, I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me. And I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding. So some of us here today... We're singing the words of the songs with the mind. And then sometimes folks would be just singing tongues. How many of you sang in tongues a little bit today? Wave your hands if you did. I like to do that. I, pray. I sing mostly in tongues when worship's on. So we are spirit beings, and the spirit of man needs to fellowship with God because God is a spirit. And when you pray in tongues, your spirit and the Holy Spirit are interacting and having fellowship. All right. Now, modern theologians who are not full of the Spirit, who do not speak in tongues, who don't understand the subject, they try and tell us that this gift is a gift that God gives us to understand foreign languages is for the missionaries. So you can speak a foreign language when you go preach to people. You have a greater understanding of how to learn foreign languages. So if that were true, then they would memorize those languages and their mind would be involved. So it can't be that. It can't be a mental thing, which they think it is. It's not a mental ability to, be able to learn a whole bunch of languages in a foreign field. That's not what this is talking about because the mind is not involved, not productive, right? Now, my next question is, do we need to pray? Because some folks think we don't need to pray. They, they wonder, does prayer make a difference? 
They think God is running everything in this world anyhow, so I don't even have to pray about it because whatever happens will happen. You know, they believe in the Doris Day doctrine. Whatever will be, will be. <laughs> okay, so it's, I guess that was before your time. It's not true. God's not running everything. If God were running everything, He'd force everybody to go to church on Sunday morning. He'd force everybody to stop stealing. He'll force everybody to stop lying. And He'd force everybody to pay their tithes. What's happening? I'm paying my tithes. I don't want to do that. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> no. The day that happens to you, then you know God's taken over, but that's not going to happen. The only people God's in control of, family, are those who surrender willingly to Him. That's you and me, right? We're living in a hostile world of people who don't want to know God, who don't want to obey God. People who are under influence of demons and evil spirits. And if God running everything, then he would be forcing everybody to accept Jesus as their Savior today. And he's not doing that. The Bible said God does want, doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. So we know that's what God wants. And if that's what he wants, and if he's running everything, he'd make that happen. And if God are running everything, then he's responsible for all the murder, the crime, the violence, the unemployment, the sorrow, the pain, the sickness. God would be responsible for all of that if you're running everything. But Jesus cleared that up, didn't he? He said, Satan came to steal, to kill, and destroy, and I came to give you abundant life. Amen? So we can see that all that stuff is from the devil, that bad stuff, and the good is from God. And God and the devil have not joint forces. God doesn't use the devil as his hitman. Now then, remember what I taught you in the celebra at celebration, my message, More Than Conquerors. We spoke about how to use our authority against these hostile forces in prayer. If you don't get that series, More Than Conquerors, and listen to it again. Now, here are some scriptures to prove that the unsaved are under the influence of demons and Satan. Now, there are many scriptures to prove that the unsaved are controlled by demons. Their thinking, their actions are all determined by demons and they don't realize it. I'm going to give you three scriptures. Well, that will confirm that this is a Bible doctrine, right? Here we go. Number one, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says... It tells us that Satan is the god of this world. Do you believe that? The Bible said the devil is the god of this world. He's not your god or my god. He's the god of the unsaved world. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 tells us that Satan is controlling the actions of every unsaved person on the earth. It's in the Bible. He's controlling the actions of every unsaved person on the earth. Satan is. 1 John 5 19 tells us the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. 
the whole world, unsaved world, not the born-again Christians, lies under the sway or influence of Satan. There's your three scriptures. Now, I was watching with my wife, Pastor Bev, a Christian movie a few months ago. And in this movie, this Christian lady's son was shot dead. And uh, she turned away from God, wouldn't serve the Lord anymore, because she said that God's in control of everything, and he could have prevented that man just shooting her son dead for no reason at the red light in the movie. So she turned away from God for many years. At the end of the movie, she came back to God, but still believing that God, in his own supernatural plan of things, needed to kill her son for the better good of whatever that might be, which she could never figure out. And you know, it's amazing to me that most of the Christian movies, when a tragedy happens, that's the doctrine that goes out. That God could have stopped this, but he didn't because he has a bigger plan. It's God's will. Which is a big lie from the devil, as you've just realized, that God's not doing that stuff. Amen? Now then, the increase of evil in this world is the result, hang on to your seat, is the result of passive Christianity. I'll say it again. The increase of evil in this world is the result of passive Christianity. Christians have not been praying like they should. Let's see what the Bible says, if that's true or not. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God said he'll heal the land if we'll pray. It's conditional. Say that. God will heal the land of South Africa if the Christians pray. That's in the Bible. So don't blame anybody. Don't blame the government. Don't blame the police. Don't blame the fire department. Don't blame the army. It's the church. Blame the Christians. Because all those institutions will function right when we pray. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Now, would you ask a friend and his wife over to your house for supper one night? And then when they get out of the car, you standing in the front yard, and you shout, surprise! <laughs> We don't have any dinner for you. I was just joking to see how you'd react. We don't have any food. Come inside. We're not going to eat. No supper. They just stare at you like, what planet did you come from? So why would God ask you to pray if he has no intention of answering your prayer? God won't tell us to ask him for help. And then turn and say to Jesus, Jesus, look at them down there. The poor suckers, they really think we're going to help them. I just said I would, but I have no intention of helping them. 
They pray in their hearts out. Look at the suckers. They believe what I said. Oh. Would God do that with Jesus? So why would, you, why would you imagine God to do that if you would never invite your friends over for supper without feeding them? Let's say this together. I believe the Father told me to pray because He wants to help me. Now one dear old soul prayed this way. This is his prayer. Dear God, if I were you and you were me, I would help you. I'm going to give you a few reasons to pray in the Spirit. Number one. Reason number one why praying in the Spirit is important. We can pray specifically for those we are discipling so they can grow up spiritually. For example, you can pray for people in your family, your parents, your children, your friends, those you work with, those you go to school with. We can pray for, the, for ourselves to grow up, to come in line with the will of God, to become mature Christians. All that can happen when we pray in tongues. Galatians 4.19 is the evidence of that. Paul writes the church of Galatia and he says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He's talking about prayer. Whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, until you grow up spiritually. My little children. Now some folks think he might have physical children. No, he's talking about those he led to Jesus. Those are his children. He didn't have any physical children. Now watch that. He says, for whom I labor in birth again. What's he talking about? He is saying, my intense praying in the Spirit for your salvation was like giving birth in the spiritual realm. My intense praying for you in the Spirit was like giving birth in the Spirit, praying for your salvation. Now that's the word again in that verse, again. So I'm praying again now, the second time around, until Christ is formed in you. First time I prayed you get saved, now I'm praying that you grow up spiritually. Amen? Colossians 4.12. Yeah, there's another scripture confirmed that. Paul writing to the church of Colossae and he says, Ephraim, who is one of you, comes from, this is another way Ephraim comes from Colossae, a bond servant of Christ, a pastor in your church, greets you. So this man's with Paul. He's writing to the church of Colossae and he says, Ephraim is greeting you. Always, now he says he's always, Ephraim is always laboring fervently for you in prayers. There's that word labor again. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why? That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So here Paul's praying for the whole church at Colossae that all the people in that church would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. In other words, that they'll be walking in the purpose of God, fulfilling God's purpose, and that all the resources that they need to carry out the will of God are provided for. All that happens to every believer in that church because of one man's fervent, intense praying in the Holy Ghost. Are you tracking me, church? Yes. 
Same as Paul praying to, for the church in Galatia. So, laboring fervently for you in prayer. In other words, it's like the woman giving birth. Giving birth in the Spirit. Paul is saying he prayed in the church of Galatia until Christ is formed in them, and that Ephesus prayed in the church of Colossae that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So we can see God is instructing us to pray in the Spirit for new converts to grow spiritually. And we should. If your pastors need your prayers and you need their prayers, then the brand new Christian needs our prayers. When a woman gives birth to a child, labor takes place. There is a struggling until that new life comes forth. God uses the description of giving birth to help us understand that this kind of intense, fervent groaning in prayer in our heavenly language gives birth to God's plan for our life and for the lives of others. So that this intense kind of groaning in prayer fervent prayer gives birth to God's plan in my life and the life of others. Now, we could be giving birth to God's plan for our life. We can be giving birth to God's plan for this church and His plan for South Africa when we pray in tongues. Fervently. I'm not talking about once. I'm talking about continuously every day. We pray in tongues. And if there's a specific area in your life where you are not sure what to do, have you ever come to a place in your life where you're not sure of what to do about something? Or well, I'm the only one that ever happened that happened to. This is your prayer when that happens. Well, if something happens in your life, you just don't know what to do about it. Say this, dear Holy Spirit, please help me now to intercede for this situation that God's plan will become clear to me, that I may walk in the, that I may walk exactly in the plan that you have for my life and understand what to do. And God will guide you when you pray that way. The Holy Spirit will make it happen. I'm going to give you a scripture to prove that. Romans 8, 26. It says, this line I'd like you to see. The Spirit Himself makes an intercession for, for us. So that the Holy Spirit personally prays for me when I pray in tongues. Now, the next verse says, we know what the mind of the Holy Spirit is. So this, I know what He's thinking or wants me to do. When I pray in tongues. Because, carry on, the Holy Spirit intercedes for me, prays for me according to the will of God. He prays for me to bring about the will of God. God carries me into His plan, consciously and unconsciously sometimes. The Holy Spirit is praying God's plan for your life when you pray in tongues. He's praying for me. Then, he, then, say this, after praying for me, 
the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit praying through me, for me. Then the Holy Spirit goes out and answers his own prayer and brings his prayer to pass. And say this, I don't know sometimes what I'm praying about, but that really doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will take care of it, fix everything. He fixes everything. That's why the next verse says, in verse 28, the same chapter, the next verse, and all things work together for good. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, that's not talking about everything generally. That's specifically talking about praying in tongues. This verse, and, the word and means I'm not done talking about praying in tongues. And when you pray in tongues, everything will work out for your good. Amen. So when I pray in tongues, God fixes everything. When the Holy Spirit takes charge, we will see many blessings come our way. Spiritual, mental, social, financial, family. When you pray in tongues... All that happens. I know Christian Family Church International with over 1,300 churches around the world, 200,000 members. I know it's all come about supernaturally by the work of the Holy Spirit because we prayed in tongues. And we'll have over 80 Bible schools this year with approximately four or 5,000 students studying at one time. I know that's all been birthed by praying in tongues. I know the Holy Ghost did it. He gets all the glory. When you give the Holy Spirit the opportunity by praying in tongues, He will organize, plan, arrange your life for success. I'd like to share a story with you in closing. In 1993, I was 45 years old. My wife and I went to Mauritius for a vacation. And uh, at the hotel, we took a little ferry boat ride about two kilometers away from the hotel to two little islands. The one island's about two, two three acres big. And the other island's about five acres big. And they were about 100 meters apart. 100 meters apart. And so this formed a little bay. A bay. So we'd go there. This little ferry boat would take us every day. And go lie in the sun. And uh, so this particular day I noticed. And I'm tired. I need a rest. So I noticed now that the hotel manager, the entertainment manager, is coming up the beach collecting people to go for a swimming race. I can figure that out. And all the men are getting up as he comes. And he's getting closer to me. So I didn't want to go racing in the water. It's the last thing I had in my mind. And I acted like I'm asleep. And I thought perhaps he'd walk past me because he thought I was sleeping. But then it got quiet, so I peeped, you know. And you know, standing about 30, 40 people around me, right next to me, and the hotel manager staring at me like this. 
So I had to get up and go in this race. Now, back in those days, I was very competitive. I'm not that way anymore. Today, I win when everybody has a good time. But truly, that's a, truly, truly I sound to you. Anyhow, in those days, I wanted to win everything. So I began to spot my competition. And some of the guys had big bellies, and, and there were some that were ripped in, in shape. And here's this one young man, about 20, 22, 23 years old, right in front of me. And you could tell he's a swimmer. And just behind me, I heard two men talking, and they pointed at that young man and said, he is the current Transvaal swimming champion. So I thought, uh-oh, that's the man I have to watch if I want to win this race. Now, when they said Transvaal, I got excited. If they said Natal, I wouldn't have been that excited. Because I know, look, growing up on the beach, I know the currents of the, of the water. I understand how the sea works. can read it. And we used to pull transvalers out the water all the time. <laughs> they got caught in the currents. True story. So anyhow, I thought, okay, this, this young man will not understand the currents here. So the tide is coming in, right? And the water is rushing in between these two islands into this little bay. And in the center, about 50 meters out in the center, is a strong current. You could float down there, and they have to run on the beach, actually, to keep up with the, the person floating down. But now on the sides, real close to the water's edge here, there is no current at all. It's only in the middle. So I thought, I'm going to swim as hard as I can, that 40, 50 meters. I know I can keep up swimming at full speed for that distance. I'm fit enough to do that. But I couldn't swim full speed 200 meters to the finishing line. Couldn't do that. So I'm thinking, if I can get to the center of this current and then turn and just coast along down the middle, I've got a good chance of winning the race. So on your mask, you said go. And I run and dive into the water and swim like crazy straight away. Everyone's swimming that way along the beach. And I'm swimming out. They must have thought, what's going on? This guy's going the wrong way. <laughs> He's going the wrong way. <laughs> so, so, I swam to the center, and then I turned around. But by the time I got the center, it's already washing me down the river, down this current. And so I, um, I turned and faced the finish line, and then turned to see who's winning the race. And sure enough, there's this young man who's in the front. But believe it or not, I was now neck and neck with him, and I haven't even swum in that direction. I was carried that way by the current. But I'm neck and neck. I know I'm far apart from him, but I'm neck and neck. Then I started coasting, and I started pulling away from him. Just coasting. Just trying to breathe. Sam <laughs> <laughs> so down the center, and I beat him by 30 meters easily. Won the race. And that was because I understand something about currents. But as I'm coming out of the water, my foot hits the beach. Okay. The Holy Spirit speaks to me clearly in my heart and says, all you had to do was swim into the current and it carried you. I said, yes. Then he said again, when you get up in the morning, all you have to do is use enough energy and effort and determination to spend time with me. Get into the Spirit. Allow the anointing to come on you. 
and the rest of the day I will carry you into victory. And then the Holy Spirit said, You'll find, you will find the current of my anointing and my grace will see you through the day. You'll beat the opposition. You'll beat the problems of life. You'll beat the devil. My grace and anointing will carry you to victory every time. So if I want to win in the day, all I have to do is spend that little time with God in the morning and my victory is guaranteed. Get in the current. Say that, I must get in the current. Pray in tongues in the morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul said the grace of God. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul the apostle planted more churches than all the other apostles combined. He wrote 75% of the New Testament. And he said, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. And I wonder if this is important. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. So I wonder if speaking in tongues more than all the other Christians was the reason for his tremendous success in his ministry. I just wonder if we can connect the dots. How many of you ever heard of an evangelist preacher by the name of Charles Finney? Charles Finney? He preached in the early 1800s. Thousands got saved under his ministry. When he'd walk into a town to come and preach in that little town, as he walked down the streets, poor people fall out under the power when he walked by, fall out under the power of God on the pavements as he walked down the street. When he came to preach, people fall out the power. They got in the trees out in the country in the fields to listen to him, and they fell out the trees under the power of God when he preached. He went in the factory, the whole factory closed down, everybody was on the floor. He just walked in. His converts, 95, 98% of his converts continued serving Jesus, never backstood ever. In the modern world, Billy Graham, Al Roberts, all of them never had up to 30% of their converts continue to serve Jesus. None of them. The highest was, 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 was under 30% continue serving God when they get saved. Charles Finney's 98% continued serving God. Why is that? Because he had a companion named Father Nash who would go to a town ahead of him two weeks before he got there. He would go into the churches and find two or three people who knew how to pray in tongues. He'd get a little room, lie on the floor, and the three or four of them would pray in tongues day and night until Charles Finney came. One little lady wrote to Charles Finney. She said, your team is in my little um, breakfast um, place and I heard groanings coming from the room and I got a little chair and I stood up and looked through the window above the door and they're all lying on the floor sick groaning in pain and they've been that way for days you better come and help them and he said no they're fine they're praying well Father Nash died and he was buried north of New York near the Canadian border in a little grave, and it says something like, there lies Father Nash, the man who prayed for Charles Finney. 
Charles Finney went out after Father Nash died. Now hold on to your seat. He went out and preached after Father Nash died. The anointing had gone. It lifted. No one got saved. No one fell out in the power. Charles Finney actually gave up the ministry, stopped preaching the gospel. Immediately after Father Nash died. Do we have any idea how important praying in tongues is to you ministers of the gospel and you want to win souls and you want to change the world. If you want to win South Africa, if you want a revival in this city, in this country, in this church, praying in tongues is the answer. You will never have it without it. You will never have it without it. Put the Holy Ghost in charge. Put the Holy Ghost in charge. We've got no idea the power of the Holy Ghost when you release Him. If you will receive what I've shared with you today and act on this child of God, you won't believe the difference in your future. God will carry you from victory to victory. Nothing will stop you. Say this, nothing can stop the Word of God from working for me. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.